Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Perspectives in Focus. This is James Hicks. As you know from Hicks New Media, I am thrilled. I'm incredibly excited to have today's conversation. Uh, I'm not going to do a whole long intro because I want this man to talk to us about himself. But I will tell you this, Jody Hoagland. Uh, Jody Hoagland is an evangelist in the enterprise technology industry. He's an industry analyst. He's a subject matter expert. He's He's a subject matter expert in more than just technology. We're going to talk a little college sports and college football as well, because he knows a little something about that. Um, he spent a, a lot of time in various roles within specific industries. We could probably talk about the company that we work for, because we work at the same company, but I'll let him divulge that. Um, I, I'm looking forward to having just a in-depth conversation for uh, for the time that I have of getting to know the man behind the microphone because literally every single day I see him on stage figuratively on stage now, but you know, giving conversations and talking technology, talking about business practices, talking about strategies for how organizations can move and grow their organizations from a technology perspective. But that's only the the surface, right? So I, I want to get behind the scenes and talk about Jody Hoagland. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Hoagland, how are you, sir? Hey, see, brother. See, no, see I, I set you up there a little bit right there. So I, I, you're, you're up there on, on top of the mountain right now. You're, you're the pedestal. You're, you're the guy that everyone wants to wants to see. <laughs> I, I don't even know why I'm on camera, to be honest with you. So I, I should just take myself off screen right now. Yeah, you, <laughs> you're, a, you're a very flattering man. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, tell, tell us a little bit. So give us the elevator pitch, man. Again, I, I, I said a, a handful of things, and, and some of the words that I used were, were strategically placed. But I tell the folks who don't know you or the folks who do, who do know you who you are. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I'm a Christian. I'm a husband. I'm a father of, of three children, one of which uh, has a disability, uh, one of which plays college football, uh, and one of which is a freshman in high school. So it's a, a very diverse atmosphere uh, in my household. Um, uh, I'm also a, a pastor. I've been pastoring a small uh, rural Baptist congregation for over 15 years. Uh, I'm a missionary. Uh, I've been involved in uh, foreign mission work uh, and the desert uh, in central Mexico, uh, in the jungles of southern Mexico, uh, helped start a school and church for pastors in the Philippines and the southernmost island of Mindanao, uh, which can actually be a very volatile area. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think James, on top of all that, I'm a technologist. Right? <laughs> I love, I love, <laughs> in your spare uh, time, right? In yeah, your spare time. I love technology. Um, I've been involved in technology ever since I exited high school. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of options. Uh, growing up, uh, broken home, um, you know, my my father, you know, was escorted out of the house uh, with blue lights and handcuffs when mm-hmm. I was five years old. Okay, uh, spent um, twenty years in prison and had a single mom with no education, uh, doing the best she could. You know, cleaning buildings, cleaning toilets for a living. Uh, I was scrubbing toilets when I was five years old, so all I ever knew uh, was to yeah. work. Started my first job at thirteen. And um, I had a, uh, was working, you know, up until the day I graduated high school with no options. Four days later, I was standing on yellow footprints uh, on Paris Island, South Carolina, you know, yeah. in the United States Marine Corps. And um, that really began to formulate a foundation uh, on technology. Uh, 
and allowed me the opportunity to pursue uh, technology. Got into uh, satellite communications, satellite intelligence, and then Unix systems and Unix administration. And uh, and then, you know, here I am, you know, many years later uh, as a, a global technologist uh, for uh, the the number one technology company uh, in the world, Dell yeah. Technologies, you know, that you uh, somewhat alluded to earlier. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I've been doing this for a while now. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really, truly, I, I mean, my wife and I consistently talk about this. I, I wake up blessed every day trying to understand, you know, how did I get to where I am and, you know, why do I have the opportunities that I have um, other than, you know, you know, leaning in on my faith and really, uh, you know, putting putting pen to paper as far as studies uh, and and everything re- really being kind of independently learned. I, I don't I don't have a college education. I don't have some big elaborate college degree. Um, you know, it's really just come from putting my nose in books and studying uh, and reading and, and and teaching myself how to how to do things uh, and working hard. Uh, and you know. It, here I am, you know, at, at Dell Tech as the, the global evangelist the for the, the number one storage array on the planet right now, right? So, so That's good. It's, a, it's a fun gig, man. I love it. So, see, there, there you go, right? So, you, you, you summed it all up, and now you understand when I, where I say I mentioned some of the words in my opening very strategically. Not just a technology evangelist, but also from from the faith. And I want to I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about some of the things that you mentioned as well, but... Let's dive into some of those humble beginnings, right? Again, starting out uh, in the situations that you were, uh, where did you get the, I guess, the fortitude to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to pick myself up from, from these types of situations. I'm going to follow as straight and narrow of a path as I can. I'm going to eventually get to a point where I am the go-to person for, again, the, the large 800-pound gorilla in, in the technology space to where, where, where I'm seen as the subject matter expert, as I'm seen as the industry leader. I, was that something that you just um, had in, in you innate, or was that something that you just decided that, you know what, I'm going to find a way to rise up from these situations that I was as, as, a, as a younger youngster? Um, I mean, it, it probably boils down to you know, a little bit of, of what the Lord instilled in, in me from birth, um, just who I am in my character. It's always been what, what's, what's the best thing. I, I know I'm not the best thing, uh, but I've been very fortunate to see people around me who are the best thing uh, mm. and say, okay, if I want to make myself successful, I'm going to glue myself to that person who is the best and I'm going to try to learn from them as much as I, I'm going to be like a tick on a dog, man. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to chuck as much out of them as I can get because I want to learn. Uh, my grandmother at an early age, when, when, when my father left for, for prison, my grandmother moved in uh, with my mom uh, to help care for me and my, my little, I've got a brother that's five years, my younger. And she moved in. And from there, it was really, if, if you want to eat, then you have to go to work, earn some money to put bread on the table. Mm. Uh, and that was the the focus that, you know, my mom had, that my grandmother had and didn't have a grandfather, didn't uh, both, uh, you know, both sides of my family. Um, there, there's not a lot to them. They, most of them died when I was really young, other than my grandmother. 
but so I didn't have a lot of people surrounding me uh, from that perspective, really just my mom and my grandmother. Uh, but I remember when I was, I was about 13, uh, my grandmother telling me, hey, if you, uh, if, if you want to have a little pocket change, then you're going to have to go to work. And so she took me down. I got a work permit signed by, the, by my high school, went down to the, the local family grocery store uh, out here in rural Alabama where I live. And she, she went in and talked to the manager and uh, his name was uh, Frank Delisandro, Mr. Frank. And she went in and she said, Hey, Mr. Frank, she said, I buy all my groceries here. I have for a long time. My grandson needs a job. And uh, so he, he put me, put me on the payroll, um, making not a whole lot of money uh, going out into the uh, Alabama heat on uh, uh, every single day, uh, pulling, pulling buggies in or grocery carts in. Uh, And that's really kind of how it kicked off. But from there, it was just, you know, looking at it when I was pulling buggies in, right. I would be looking at the cashiers going, how do I get to do that job? Right. And mm. so I would, I would talk to them on my break. Um, and then wound up by the time I was 16 years old, um, I moved to a larger grocery chain, uh, okay. and wound up getting a job there and was able to say, Hey, look, I've been doing this, this, and this, I understand this and, and got a, got a role as a cashier. So it, even in technology, um, I, I can name names, man. I can name people who I've looked at and looked upon and said that, that right there, that, that man, that woman's the best at what they do. I want to learn from them because I want to be, I want to be able to be in that place one day. And it's yeah, really just looking at that, surrounding myself, uh, with talent, uh, and, and pursuing it. I love that. I love that. Bishop Oliver is here and he is saying, sounds like Timothy. Had his grandmother yeah. and mother, women of faith, yeah. that taught him the faith of God. Appreciate exactly. that, Bishop Oliver. If you're not, if you're not uh, streaming right now, Bishop, I might bring you on here a little bit later as well, and and have have these two titans of the Lord uh, while I just sit back and listen and, and learn. Um, so, so, Jody, let, let, let me ask you a couple of other things about that, because because I'm, I'm really intrigued. We'll, we'll get to what we do today. I, I'm not going to have you pull out a whiteboard and, and do a a overview of Power Store and and, and advantages of Power Skill or nothing like that. I'm not, I'm not going to have you do that. We, we'll do that tomorrow when we when we get to work. But uh, <laughs> talk to me about again the, the things that you learned, the, the values that you had growing up. You know, some some of the situations and, and circumstances. Now you've got kids and you got children. How how did you go about distilling kind of that work ethic, that frame of mind into 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 your kids as well, right? I mean, just just yeah. some of the and not commonplace father uh, parent types of things, but you know what specifically? I guess since you grew up in with some specific situations, how did you have those conversations with your kids to strive for the best, to be the best, and, and always kind of uh, focus on 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 the on the target as opposed to deviating and, and going about the, the way of the world. So should I say Yeah, United States Marine Corps, uh, there's, I there mean, there's no, like, <laughs> people that know me, uh, you know, prior to, to my enlistment, uh, yeah. people that knew me afterwards, particularly my wife. Um, we, my wife and I dated, uh, in high school. Uh, we've been married, uh, north of 20 years now. Um, we dated for a little while in high school, you know, parted ways, went our separate ways. Um, I went into the Marine Corps. She she put herself through through nursing nursing school. She actually comes from a broken home uh, as well. Mm. Uh, doesn't she do, never knew her father? Um, her mother was a drug addict. Uh, so we we both come from nothing. 
Right? There's, there, there's nothing to be had on either side of the fence, bro. Right? Um, but going into the Marine Corps, the when the literally the day that I flew home, uh, spent four years uh, on active duty, uh, flew in, spent the last um, well over a year in, in Okinawa, uh, Japan, uh, flew in the day, literally the day I got back to, to Birmingham, uh, my mom picked me up, brought me home. I was over visiting a neighbor and my mom called the neighbor's house and said, Hey, you got to come home. Mm. Someone's coming by to see you. Uh, and she wouldn't tell me who it was, but long story short, it was my wife. We, we had actually remained friends. I was friends with some of her family and, and she stayed friends with my mom, but she had called just out of the blue randomly. Um, uh, and just to check in on my mom, my mom said, Oh, you need to swing by for a visit. <laughs> uh, and she, uh, she wound up, you know, we had, you know, some pretty extensive conversations, uh, hanging out together and, and rekindling old flames. And, you know, she told me, she said, you, you're, you're not the same person uh, that you were four years ago. Wow. That's for sure. Wow. Uh, and that really, uh, that really, that really changed me. Uh, the Marine Corps did change, change my life very impactfully. Uh, really instilled a focus, um, you know, really pinpoint precision on what do I want to do? How do I want to achieve it? Um, my Marine Corps career, although short, uh, was very successful. Um, within four years, I was able to obtain uh, E5, the rank of sergeant, okay. yep. uh, which if you're familiar with the Marine Corps in particular, uh, making non-commissioned officer, particularly making E5 in sub four years is is very difficult uh, mm-hmm. to do, but I was put up on a, a meritorious board, um, okay. was selected meritoriously for a promotion to corporal. So that actually advanced, but that in lies that, that focus of saying, okay, he, here's an objective. Uh, what do I have to do to get there and mm-hmm. then putting in the work? Right. Uh, and then literally while everybody else is maybe they're going out and going to the clubs or going partying or doing whatever, yeah. uh, you know, Jody's in the barracks, you know, studying reading his manuals. manuals and books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So we, we've got a very similarity right there. And I'm actually glad I think my dad is still watching. He, he may be dual streaming. I think I know church is happening right now. And, and he saw the notification that I was going online. But let, let me ask you, were you at Butler? Uh, in, in Okinawa? Yeah. How do I know I that? Actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> so so let, yeah, let me let you answer. Somebody's got some Marine Corps ties. <laughs> <laughs> I was not on Butler. Uh, I was uh, I was at Marine Corps Air Station for Tenma. Okay. That is, and actually, that is like literally five minutes from Butler. It's just okay. right down the road. And, uh, and, re- and, and the reason I say that, uh, military family as well. My dad was in the Air Force for twenty six years, and we were stationed on Kadena. We were stationed. Kadena. At, we yeah. were at Kadena. Yeah. Yeah, so, every so. time I every time I came in or left, it was via Kadena. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, he he was part of the uh, social actions team, uh, actually repairing and fixing all of the the planes there. So, uh, uh, oh, and and he is watching. There, there you go. That there's my my my, yeah, my plug for you. Here. You know, there, there you go. <laughs> Check. I got I got my dad plug in. So so that that's that's pre- that's pretty good stuff. But um, do you think that? By going from high school directly into the service as opposed to going to college, do you think that that rigor, that training, that focus on, on, on that disciplinary, you know, again, mode was more 
advantageous than again going the traditional four year route or, or whatever to go into some 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 college? Do you think that would you be the same person if you think if you think if you went to a traditional four year school as opposed to enlisting in the service? I don't I don't think I would no um, you know and I and I feel like I can say that uh, pretty pretty immediately um, for the simple fact that you know when you when you go to college I got a son in college now. Um, yeah. And even my daughter, who has a disability, she's the eldest, by the way. Okay. She's she's two eight twenty one here soon, um, and she's actually part of a special program at the University of Alabama. Uh, okay. And so I've got technically I got two kids uh, that are that are in college, uh, but that environment of college, you you have to be very um, disciplined from an independent perspective, and unless you have someone a, a a family member, a father, or someone who can make sure that you stay on the rails. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's so much freedom in that arena uh, that, you know, you don't get up on time. There, there's nobody that's going to correct that. They're just going to say, okay, you, you fell. And, yeah. you know, you just paid a bunch of money uh, for nothing. Right. So um, going into Marine Corps, it, it established that foundation of, of someone really showing me what discipline actually is. Mm. Uh, and, what discipline means to being successful in life, because without this, without waking up in the morning with some form of motivation, without some form of understanding that you have a purpose that day and that you need, you need to check certain boxes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and those mm-hmm. boxes are, are, are what enables you to be successful throughout that day. The Marine Corps gave me that foundation and surrounded me with people who constantly, uh, let's just put it, they encouraged me or motivated me <laughs> to, to make the proper decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Go out, go out there and hit that hill or, or run yeah. 80 miles and then come back and do it again. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I remember like in boot camp. Uh, you know, I can remember, you know, walking around, you know, even, even going through the chow hall line, getting a tray of food and a beverage and then having to, to put your hand over the top of the beverage and, and walk through the chow hall line with that covered up. And I'm like, what, what is the point? And, and, what, and then eventually, you know, you, you start having conversations and the drill instructors start giving you a little bit more info, a little bit more info, and that everything has a purpose. Uh, and, and kind of, you know, that, that structuring you and training you for dealing with sensitive things and how you carry certain things like grenades, which, okay. you know, it's oh, okay, whatever, you know, <laughs> I know it's a grenade. I'm going to be careful with that thing. Right. Yeah. But uh, everything has a purpose, man. And, and so that's what I really tried to focus in with my kids. I think my, my kids going to college is different because, you know, I, I'm there now to provide that mm-hmm. guidance, that mm-hmm. discipline, that structure, that, that focus. If I would have jumped off from an independent perspective and went down that path, first of all, there, there, that wasn't, and it wasn't an option for me other than okay. uh, there was no, there was no scholarship. There was no money. There was nobody to say, Hey, yeah, we're going to help you go to school. Um, I would have been one of these students, which by the way, there are many of today that are working and paying for semester by semester yeah. by semester, yeah. um, which is a very tedious thing to do. And I just don't think that I would have had the fortitude, uh, the guidance and the discipline to, to make a decision like that at, at that time. Well, I, I will say that you, did the right thing. You did the best thing for you. And it, it, it's, it resonates in every engagement, every interaction that I have with you. And, and I was telling you before we went online, all the folks that have reached out to me saying, Hey, you're, you talking to Jody today. So 
the the discipline, the the, the fortitude, the training, all, all of those great adjectives definitely are, are paying off. Um, I, I must put this up there as well. My, my dad is a huge advocate for veterans getting their uh, their benefits and making sure that they get everything that they're eligible for. So I'm, I'm sure you're on top of that, but I definitely wanted to put mm-hmm. that up there as as well. Yeah, definitely appreciate that. There, there's <laughs> there's so many there's so many options for for vets uh, that many, many things that people don't even realize and, and recognize. Uh, but, you know, I'm definitely grateful for a lot of the, the there, there's a lot of folks out there that do veterans advocacy. In fact, uh, every now and then Dell Technologies, here's a good plug for Dell. Mm. Um, you know, they'll, they'll award us the opportunity to give back uh, and provide mm-hmm. contributions mm-hmm. to charities of our choice. Uh, and I'm grateful that in that list of selections that, that we have options for are many different uh, veteran services, like, yep. you know, wh- whether it be for homeless vets or other things that veterans need. Uh, and I'm always quick to, you know, to, to sponsor those events or con- contribute to, to those opportunities. That is true. That is true. I, I do. I do. Li- I do like that. But, you know, we, we work for a pretty cool. Look. All right, Uncle Mike, you're doing a good job. We'll, we'll, we'll throw you a plug there. Uh, yeah, definitely. No complaints. <laughs> you know, so let's let's pivot on here on that and, and go to to that. Throughout the day, Monday through Friday, and maybe even some weekends, and and now with COVID, all day and all night, you stand on stage and you talk about enterprise technology and you talk about um, how businesses can solve business challenges and and opportunities and and take advantage of um, the wide portfolio of Dell Technologies. Sounds like I give this speech every day too, right? I mean, so, but talk, talk to me about that, right? I mean, because... Every single time, literally, that you present, it's almost like you, you, it's a completely different story. You're telling the same story almost every day, but every time that I hear it, it's a different story. It's almost like you don't re- rehearse because you don't have to rehearse it, right? Because you live it, you know it, and you believe it. I think that's, that's the, what, I, what I'm trying to say. You, you believe it. How, do you, how did you get to the point of being so com- comfortable telling such a complex story, right, to folks who maybe not are always interested in hearing what you have to say, right? So we, we talk Dell, but they may be more interested in hearing the, the pure story. They may be more interested in hearing the HP story or, you know, whatever the case may be. How, how do you, where, where did you get that stage presence, right? To whereas you, you're incredibly engaging, incredibly personable. Uh, again, was that something that maybe the service taught you? Is that something that you read some books on or, or is that just, Jody Hoagland growing up, look, I, I'm, I'm the guy that likes to be in front of people talking. That's just me, man. Um, you know, I, I've always been somebody who, who likes to, likes to talk, likes to carry on a conversation, um, likes, likes to lead from the front and lead by example. Uh, I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty uh, and, you know, reach down and, and actually do the work that needs to be done. Uh, and when you do that, when you when you do the work that needs to be done, you get intimately familiar uh, with what you're talking about. Right. Uh, and so it gives you an opportunity uh, to have conversations that are that are very relatable because you're not just speaking in theory. You're speaking in practicum. You, you've actually put these things to practice. You've actually done these things. You put your hands on things. I've, I've been a systems administrator. Uh, I've helped run a data center. I've helped you know, orchestrate, you know, purchases and decision-making in a large-scale enterprise. Uh, I've worked for, you know, a couple of different major enterprise uh, storage vendors. 
uh, and technology companies. Uh, I've evaluated other players in the industry. And, you know, as you know, James, I, I do a lot of heavy lifting uh, with our, you know, global competitive intelligence mm-hmm. team and mm-hmm. working to understand not just my stuff, but but what's what's everybody else's stuff doing. And so I think that just comes as a, as a natural overflow of, of getting down and, and actually, you know, understanding things, trying to figure things out uh, and then, you know, being able to explain it. I think the being able to explain it part uh, is probably the, the most critical. And that probably yeah. comes to the fact that I'm a I'm a simple minded guy, man. It's, you know, there's a lot of folks, they, you know, they call me the redneck storage guy. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, as they say, but you know, I, I want to make sure that when I'm having a conversation, regardless of what the context is, if it's technology, if it's something else, I want to make sure that, that people understand it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it's relatable. And, you know, I can recall years ago now, um, the, the first time I ever really remember, I think, James, you put it well of this, you know, stage presence, you know, kind of commanding an audience type deal as as a, an evangelist. You know, that's kind of, uh, you know, part of part of what comes with the territory. But I can remember I, I remember the moment that I realized that that was really a thing. And it happened uh, in my previous life uh, at a storage company, a big technology company called NetApp. Uh, and I was a systems engineer uh, for the the southeastern United States. It was me and, and an account rep. Uh, we were beating the bushes and, and trying to make a living together. And we were given the opportunity at a quarterly briefing meeting, what we call QBRs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were at a QBR, uh, and we were each as a team. We were having to give our, our presentations. And I stand I stood up and was was giving my presentation on on our technology and what we were doing. But I related it to a lesson that my grandmother had, had taught me. Uh, and when when that session was over and we came off, you know, the stage, you know, everyone in our district was coming up saying, dude, man, I had never like that was excellent. Like the way that like people can understand that. Right. And so it's really looking at my life experiences and, and trying to figure out ways. Those are things that those are not unique to me, right? Those are things that everybody does day in and day out in their life. Yeah. Well, well, how do you take these complex things in life, technology or whatever else, and how do you bridge those, you know, let's just call it the hermeneutical gap. How do you close mm-hmm. that gap to say, mm-hmm. here's this real thing. Here's this life lesson thing. Here's this very difficult concept. And how do we bridge that together to come to an understandable meaning? Uh, and, you know, that's just something that the, the Lord's enabled me to, to be able to do. It's not easy, right? I mean, and, and many of us watch masters and geniuses like you do it. it the, the art of storytelling, that, that's what I kind of boil it down to, right? Again, mm-hmm. just being able to be relatable and not wanting or not or actually admitting that you're not the smartest person in the room. I always say, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room because then I'm in the wrong room. Right. <laughs> and every time you, you see, I, I move my, I, I talk with, I call it the jazz hands, right? Brother, every time I'm in in front doing a, a AVC or a QBR, or whatever the case may be and having those conversations, I emote as well. And, and I think just, just doing that um, shows that you, relate to what you're talking about you, you you take it serious you 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 have some passion about it 
I miss a lot of that right now because, again, we're, we're having to do it all via Zoom and, Z, and via Teams and things like that. So, so I'm missing that aspect of actually walking around a conference room, laying hands on someone as I'm talking, making sure that they understand the concepts and things like that. Hopefully we all get back to that uh, before before much longer. But I, I do want to just, just pause and commend you just on having that ability to storytell very complex situations, make it relatable, and and as my pastor would say, make it plain. So yeah. uh, uh, I, I love that. So let's let's now go in, into some of that. Right? Let, tell me and tell the folks about the expo- Expositors. How do you say the first word? Expositors International Ministry? Expositors International. That's, yeah, the you, you might have to put a comma in there or something or a hyphen. <laughs> EIM. Talk to us a little bit about EIM. I'm going to give you a three-letter acronym. Yeah, so there's a there's a man named Barry Carpenter, Dr. Barry Carpenter. Um, he and I became friends. Um, it's been many years ago now, um, through um, a, a local Bible conference up in North Alabama that uh, I had been frequenting uh, with some other men uh, in my church, and came across some some folks that knew this, you know, brother Barry. Uh, and so I, I wound up meeting up with him and we started having a lot of conversations and he, uh, he was pastoring even in a more rural area of Alabama than I was, uh, you know, than I am. And that's, that's saying something, (laughs) you know, if you don't, don't, look, if you don't, if you don't tote water up, you don't flush the toilets. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you you heard it right here. If you don't tote water up, you don't, let me, let me just drop that on, on. (laughs) (laughs) it's it's out there man but brother barry if i'm out there he's way out there and uh you know you you put your sun you put your sunshine orders in in advance you know to get to get them out there but he um he and i you know kindled a friendship uh and he told me one day he said look you know jody i'm 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 selling everything and i'm i'm moving to the philippines he had he had been working via online Mm-hmm. Uh, a remote uh, seminary, which is a Bible college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had been doing this uh, web-based Bible college for several of these men uh, on the island of Mindanao in the in the southern Philippines. Okay. Uh, and if you're familiar with the Philippine island chain, uh, up in the north you have uh, Luzon. That, that's where Manila. That's most people are familiar with that area. Then you have Versailles in the in the middle, some smaller uh, areas, and then you have on the this large island on the southernmost end of the chain called Mindanao, uh, and it can be a it can be a pretty tough area. And he said, "Yeah, I'm moving. I'm moving to Mindanao to work with these brothers uh, there." And the reason for that was he was experiencing some challenges with the web-based uh, curriculum and teaching. As soon as he would go through and 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 have the different classes and sessions, he found out uh, that there were some people uh, in person. Uh, there in the Philippines that were sowing discord and, and creating confusion uh, amongst the, the brothers there. And, and he said, you know what, this is, this isn't just working. It's just, it's just not working. And so he, you know, felt led and made the decision that he was moving there. And he did. Uh, he, he packed up everything, literally everything he owned went in a suitcase and he took him and his suitcase to uh, Cagayan de Oro in Mindanao, Philippines and move there. And so that was a, that was a very interesting, you know, move. Um, shortly thereafter, it was me and a couple of friends that uh, began to go over and visit with him mm. to try to figure out, okay, how could we help, you know, being, you know, as, as remote as we were, 
and what contributions could we make? And so it was really just, you know, supporting him uh, remotely, you know, kindling that friendship. We'd go over to visit. Uh, so literally flying over there, uh, meeting with with the brothers. They're starting, you know, churches uh, there. So it's equipping uh, these Filipino brothers, you know, to to be commissioned as pastors, you know, in, in their area, in their towns, mm-hmm. in their cities. Um, and so, you know, work just most people, I think in the United States, that there's a lot of taken for granted uh, of, of mm. what we have access to. Yeah. Uh, just think of books, you know, as an example, we, we want a book. We don't really think anything about it. We, we jump down to a bookstore, we jump on Amazon, we jump online. And within a few days we have this, you know, five pound volume yeah. showing up on our on our doorstep. Well, in a remote area of of an island chain like the Philippines, it, it's not just that you don't have immediate access to shipping. The cost to ship something of that nature uh, is astronomical. Uh, and it's astronomical because you're not even guaranteed that it's going to get there. You you don't just walk out and say, hey, here's my address. And you have a validated, certified, you know, postal service that's going to deliver right. something to you. Right. Um, half the time, things are stolen, you know, before they ever make it to you. So these were a lot of logistical challenges that were that were facing him. So it was really working uh, alongside of him, supporting him through prayer, uh, working to support him financially, uh, helping by going. I'll never forget uh, one brother in the faith many years ago. He was a, a missionary uh, on the African continent. And he said he was there with some brothers and sisters one time in a war-torn region. He said they sat on a hillside watching the smoke rise up out of one of the local towns from a civil war. And he said the brother leaned over and put his arm around him sitting on his hillside. And he said, I just want to thank you. And he said, thank, thank me for what? And he said, I, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have anything to, to really offer you. And he said, you came. And he said, that meant more you know, to, to them, to those brothers and sisters in Christ, that meant more than sending a check, than just writing a check. Because there's a lot of people that'll, you know, throw money in a plate. There's a lot of people that'll, that'll write a little check and send a little bit of money. But when, when you're devoted enough to, to get on an aircraft and, and to spend, you know, 30 hours in transit, uh, and then, you know, spend a week or two weeks or more of your life, you know, with, with no hot water, with no amenities, you know, subjecting yourself to what you know, our brothers and sisters abroad. This is daily life for them, uh, and it says a lot. You know, when we're willing to to set aside those comforts that we know at home, uh, and to simply invest in somebody and be there with them. Uh, and that's you know, that's part of you know what I long to do in, in my support of, of, of Expositors International and Brother Barry as he's working and training and equipping pastors there. I, you- you you literally just gave me an aha moment, right? Because I, for for a while, I, I I'd always thought and and wondered, right? Um, why a lot of times we would go, we, we from America would would go to other regions of the world and uh, address their needs, right? Ship food all over the place, go out in ministry all, all over the place, as opposed to focusing on on the fifty. United States, but the but the thing that you said was that you, you you're never really sure of what you're going to get. We we take it for granted the fact that again, yeah, I I literally ordered some stuff off of Amazon yesterday and it came today, Sunday, right? It it, it showed up uh, about thirty minutes ago. The 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 ease of 
consumption that we have and the ease of access and, and capabilities. A lot of times we take that for granted. And, and just the fact that you mentioned that, again, someone just wants to order a, a, a book about whatever the case may be. They want, they want to order a, a brand new Bible. Right. And they live they live in the Philippines. They live in the, in the corners of Africa. They, they live wherever. You're not guaranteed to get it. You don't know what's going to happen. It, get, it may get caught up in in shipping. It may get caught up in uh, border patrols or whatever the case may be or might be stolen, like like you were saying. And that that really resonated with me just just now. It's, it's actually slightly profound here. I mean, just again, now, again, I, I have a different view and different perspective in terms of. I've always thought, yeah, we need definitely need to take care of all of our brothers and sisters. But, but again, just not having that immediate access or not not having those abilities that we, again, maybe get comfortable and take for granted in such a, a rich uh, in consumption and capability and ability uh, country as we live in right now. Um, so, so, so bless you for that, and I appreciate you for that. Yeah, so, 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 I, I got, I got more out of that just now than than you may think, brother. I, I, I must say, brother yeah. Barry, uh, he he had a a brilliant idea, and this this was years ago. Yeah, uh, this this was cutting edge back in the day. But <laughs> he took these little Android based tablets uh, that are, you know, for, for us, you know, they less than a hundred bucks or something. Yeah, and he he would load. They got a pretty good amount of memory in them, uh, and he would load those up. Uh, with PDFs of, you know, free, you know, open, openly distributable, you know, biblical resources and content, you know, so Bible translations, theological resources, theological study tools, mm. um, all kind of stuff. I mean, literally, it would cost you thousands of dollars, you know, to, uh, first of all, acquire those resources, nonetheless, ship them to some mm. remote location and guarantee their arrival. That That's just not going to happen. But Barry could take, you know, these small, cheap tablets, load them up with the resources these brothers needed, you know, in these areas and just drop them off, just handle. Right. And they had an entire, you know, if I could pan my camera around, you'd see bookshelves just, you know, to the brim. Uh, but but these brothers, you know, would, would literally live and die by these, you know, small little tablet devices uh, that that had, you know, an entire master's and doctoral level degrees worth of content, you wow. know, uh, on them. Wow. That's, um, that's incredibly profound. And, and again, like I say, I, I have gained more just in that 10 minutes there than, than, than you can probably imagine. But, so let me ask this, how's it going? Right. So 14 months or so the world has stopped. Right. Um, in, in terms of obviously you, you, you haven't been able to, to go back, uh, within that period of time, but, but, what what are some of the next steps that, that that you see for for the missionary work that that you're doing with with those brothers? Right, I mean, as the world starts opening up, um, you, you see more churches being open, you see more more pastors being ordained, things of that nature. Or how has it been over this past lockdown period, and and posed to well, what uh, you got planned for coming up in the future? Yeah, I mean, the Lord's work hasn't stopped, man. Um, that right there. Uh, hold on. Yeah. Say, 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 hold on. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me stop. Say, say that one more time. The Lord's work hasn't stopped, man. <laughs> um, you know, d- despite the challenges you know that we face, you know, in this world, uh, you know, th- there is no, there is no rogue atom. Uh, there, there is no, you know, rogue molecule uh, upon the planet. Um, you know, from from my perspective and 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 within the context of my faith. 
uh, God is sovereign over over all things. Uh, and you know, it's it's clear uh, in Scripture uh, that you know God is is in control of every single aspect. Uh, that all things work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose, and all things work together uh, for good. That means even the most trying uh, and difficult of circumstances. Uh, if we're faced with a global pandemic, okay, that's not new. Uh, and, and I think that that's where I find my, my peace and my comfort is the fact that, that this is, you know, we're not in times or situations that, that caught the Lord off guard. He's like, whoa, what, what happened here? Right. Uh, so th- these are things that are, that are under, you know, his, his ordination and orchestration. Um, and, it, you know, for us, we're just simply called to do one thing despite the trials, the difficulties. And that one thing is be faithful. Uh, And that is a principle for me that not only applies to the faith, but it applies to life in general. Um, You know, my employer, be faithful. You know, you know, they're, they're giving me a check, right? Um, They're paying me well to do what I do. So I have a responsibility, you know, to be faithful Uh, to my wife. I have a responsibility to be faithful to my children, to be faithful. That is a simple one word statement that can be applicable to every aspect of your life uh, that you're called to be faithful, uh, to, to do what you know is right. We, we have a saying in my family. We have a family motto, uh, believe it or not. You can ask my children, um, you know, and, and it's it's very simple and straightforward. Uh, but love God, follow Jesus, do what's right. That that's that sums up, you know, our family is to love God follow Jesus and do what's right. Do what's right in every circumstance. Do what's right by every individual. Always strive to do the right thing. Brother, I, I was waiting for somebody to come in with some comments because, Lord, we we, we didn't go into church right now. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the my wallet so I can put something in the offering plate because uh, that, that, <laughs> that, was, that was that was beautiful. That was, and, and see, that's what I wanted to... I wasn't leading you towards that direction, but I, I wanted to hear some of the context. And, 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 I'm, and I'm actually humbled that a lot of folks are, are also getting to hear that as well. Because, again, I, I, I hear you and I see you every, every day. And when I log on to a session that you're leading, I come in the back and I heckle. And I'm, I'm, I'm with the roll tide. And, you know, and so, so I'm, I'm throwing you all off kilter trying to. But there's, there's so much to the man. There's so much to the drive and the mission and the purpose and the fact that everything is rooted in faith, faith, family, love, service. Right. I mean, I'm, that, that's what I, that's what I take back when I, when, when someone asked me, you know, give the Jody Hoagland uh, elevator pitch, what, who is, who is he? And, and that's what I was, that's what I say about the guy. I mean, this, this is the guy. Look, you bet, you it's know, funny, man. Uh, there's uh, to, to go back to a, a previous career life. Uh, there's a, a dear friend and brother, a guy named Reese Stewart. He actually, he actually works for one of our major competitors. Uh, okay. you know, now, and, uh, he's, he lives down in Florida. He's outside of Tampa. He's a, a great, great guy though. We're, we're still, uh, the best of friends, even remotely to this day. Um, he was, he was, he was actually up here. Um, one, it's been years ago. Um, you, you probably remember the, um, trying to remember what the exact scenario was, why he was here at that time. Um, but there was a, there was a, there was, it was one of the ice storms that come through the South, which is like, you know, it just obliterates us. Like we don't, 
we don't have the, the means to deal with, with those circumstances, particularly with ice. It just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there's no salt trucks. The stuff doesn't <laughs> exist. But he, um, he and I were together. We were on the interstate uh, and we were, we were driving back and in front of us, um, several hundred yards, there was a, a Ford Mustang that went into a spin, slammed into a wall, started smoking, mm. uh, immediately pulled over, bailed, went running over to the car, was trying to get the door open uh, to, to get this individual. I didn't know if the car was going to catch on fire or mm. like, because there was smoke bowling out of the, out of this thing. And I'm thinking, I got to get whoever's in here. We got to get them out. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the door was jammed and I'm snatching on the door. Uh, finally got the door open. Uh, realized, you know, the individual was okay. Um, they were banged up, you know, a little rattled, definitely rattled. Right. Uh, but Reese, um, I think it was, I think it, I think it was him. He was either taking pictures or video or something. But a while later, Reese told me he was given a presentation uh, somewhere and was talking about always doing what's right. And he he posted pictures of that event, right, of that circumstance. And, and he used me as an illustration um, to, to say, you know, despite what's going on around you, you know, taking the time to, to do the right thing. Uh, and, and that wasn't a testament to me. That, that's a testament to where the Lord has, yeah. has, has carried me and enabled me. Because I'll tell you this, James, uh, Jody Hoagland is a, is a selfish individual. Um, you know, I, I really, you know, I have to lean upon my faith. Uh, and my trust in God for, for the Lord to grant me uh, humility uh, mm. and humbleness, uh, because you know I, you know I I, I want to look out for myself as much as the next guy. Right, right. Uh, but the reality is, uh, I know that that's not the right thing, and I know that's not the right thing because you know that's not what Scripture teaches. Um, you know, it, it it is better for me that I depart, <laughs> Paul said, uh, but. <laughs> For the yeah. sake of you, it's better that I stay. Right? So, yes, yes. Love that. Yes, that's true. Oh, my God, that's so true. Wow. I lo- I just lost what I was going to say because I, I was I was getting into it. Let me, okay, let me, let, let's, let's, let me ask about this. Um, your kids going to school now. Um, you got one playing football. Um How's that going? It's going well. It's it's it's, uh, it's going to come back to me what I what I had in my mind because 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 yeah. I, I I was so ingrained in, in the conversation that I, that was really just in, enjoying the moment. But let me like, I wanted to ask this before I let you go for sure. No, yeah. So my kids are. Um, let, let me start with Josie. Um, she's the oldest. She'll be twenty one this year. Um, she has Down syndrome. For for those that don't know. Um, just an incredible young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been extremely blessed. In fact, um, when my wife had a, one of her first sonograms, when she was pregnant with her, there was a complication that showed up on the, on the sonogram. Mm. Uh, and we had pictures like physical evidence of this, what they call double bubble syndrome or duodenal atresia. And uh, so if you're a doctor or something, you probably know what I'm talking about. I had no clue. I just know this is what they pointed at on the, <laughs> on the sonogram. Uh, but you know, they said, hey, look, you know, we don't understand the correlation, but there's a high percentage of, of children that have this that are born with Down syndrome. Mm. And you know, my wife and I are like, well, it doesn't, that makes no difference, you know, to me one way or the other. Uh, this is my daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, we didn't even know if it was a boy or a girl. We kept that a secret until she was born. Nice. Uh, that's when we found out. But 
she's born uh, June 28th uh, of 2000, July the 4th. Uh, she, she's fine. She's healthy. We asked the doctors, hey, this thing on the x-ray, they said they were going to have to do surgery. They said, no, that that that's not there. Like, there's no problems. Like, she's fine. I'm like, oh, well, that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, July 4th, we get a phone call. Said so we need to come down to the hospital to the neonatologist's office. And he sits down and says, uh, we did blood tests, chromosome tests. Your daughter has trisomy 21, has Down syndrome. And it was my wife just, she blanked. I mean, she just, like, she just, she didn't lose consciousness. But, man, she was, I could tell she had, she wanted out. And at that point, you know, training kicked in. I said, okay, I got an objective. My objective is to get my wife home safely right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I went into focus mode, got her home. I wound up sitting in my garage that day, July 4th, 2000, um, running through life plays, man. My daughter will never graduate high school. She'll never know what it's like to have a date. She'll never go get invited to the prom. She'll never, like, all of these things she'll never do. She'll never do. She'll never do. And, and I was devastated. It was you know, locked myself in the garage, crying my eyes out. Uh, and, you know, I had some family there that surrounded me and encouraged me. And, um, you know, then Josie begins to grow and begins to thrive. And, you know, by the time she's uh, getting a little older, we, we wound up moving. She was born in Mississippi. We moved back to the state of Alabama mm. and lived particularly in Tuscaloosa County because there was this special program at the university called the Rise Program. College football, most people know the name Gene Stallings. He's got a national championship mm-hmm. under his belt at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene Stallings' son, Johnny, John Mark Stallings, uh, had Down syndrome. And he okay. was a big contributing okay. founder and member of this RISE school at, at Alabama. And so we moved into the county that, so that my daughter could be a part of that program. And she really began to grow and thrive. She she graduated that program. She went into um, – you know, went into elementary school, went into middle school, went into high school. By the time she gets to high school, man, um, I was really having to eat a lot of crow because uh, mm. uh, my daughter, uh, where I said she could not, uh, she did. Yes. Uh, she was voted yes. uh, homecoming queen by her senior class. <laughs> she was voted prom queen by her senior class. She was invited to be, you know, to, to be a representative of the state of Alabama at the uh, AutoZone Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee, her senior year as a homecoming queen. Wow. She was out on the 50-yard line with the four tops, you know, at, at Memphis Tiger Stadium, you know, head to toe in, in this white gown, elegant as all get out. Uh, and then, you know, she gets accepted into this college program. And, and dude, I'm telling you, man, where we're we're I, you know, imposed all of these limits. Um, she just blew life out of the water, man. And, uh, and she's still doing it to this day. My youngest son coming up, um, he, had, he, had a, he actually early on was diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. He, he was a little bit of a challenge, uh, you know, growing up. Uh, fifth day of, I think, I don't even think it was a week, man. It's like four, three, four days into kindergarten. We get a phone call, like he, he's suspended. And I'm like, Uh-oh. how does how does that happen? Like, <laughs> these fools be out there on the monkey bars and on the swings, and what what has happened? <laughs> and, and dude, it, it was it was rough, man. Uh, and we went through a we went through a little rough patch there uh, with him, but you know it was really then discipline, really focusing in from a disciplinary perspective and giving him some some guidance. 
And he was eight years old. He was taking medicine and, uh, you know, all the typical, you know, hey, calm them down kind of medicines. Yeah. And he come on, he said, Dad, he said, can I play football? And I said, son, we're from Alabama. There's only a couple of things we know how to do. And watch one of out, them is watch out now. This is, <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> yeah. And I said, yeah, by guy, you can play football. And uh, so I told my wife, I said, let's let's take him off this medicine because I he just, you know, he, he would kind of zone out. He would re- relax and he just was real lethargic. We took him off that medicine, brother. And um, the boy just, you know, he put on a helmet. He put on pads. He got ran over the first day of pads at practice, eight years old. He got train wrecked. I mean, he just, he lined up on a kid that had been playing for a couple of years. Yeah. And the kid just ran slap over him. And I pulled him aside. I said, son. He was crying, spitting, gagging, all, you know, just, and I said, I said, son, you, you know, one of two things here. I said, you can be the hammer doing the hitting on the nail, mm. or you can be the nail and keep taking the beating. And he looked at me and he said, daddy, I want to be the hammer. <laughs> and dude, he never got ran over again. Never. And, uh, and he excelled uh, in little league ball, uh, started playing high school ball. Uh, made the varsity squad in his eighth grade year, was starting his freshman year. Um, you know, he's now he's about almost 6'3, 200 pounds, four, five, 40. Uh, he's a big kid, he's fast, he's mean, he's aggressive. Um, we we thought, and everybody, uh, analyst, and, and we had a lot of folks working with us in the recruiting process that figured he was going to land at you know at a division one program, and uh, and it. It, it never came to fruition. And, uh, and he's now at a, an NAI program okay. uh, in Montgomery, yeah. Alabama, uh, Faulkner University, um, which, you know, to be quite honest, James, is probably the best case scenario for him uh, as, as a football player uh, and as, as, you know, just as an individual and as a student. He, mm-hmm. he wound up from being suspended into kindergarten. Uh, to graduating with a 4.3 GPA and getting, you know, football money, football scholarship to go play ball. In his first semester at college, he made president's list with straight A's. He's, as a freshman, he's earned a starting spot on special teams. Wow. Uh, He's a a leader on the team. He's a leader on the field, off the field. Uh, He's heads down in his studies, and he's pursuing a doctorate degree as part of a specialized program at Faulkner University uh, where he can he can get his doctorate uh, in about six years, uh, and that being the case, because of COVID, get this, James, because of COVID, all these kids playing football, whether it's NCAA or NAI this year, it's a free year for them, which means that my son, if he stays at Faulkner pursuing his doctorate, he can play football through his entire doctoral program, brother. Love that. Uh, so oh. you know where we don't we don't see things coming. Uh, the Lord does. Uh, and, you know, we just kind of have to to ride these waves sometimes because we don't know where they're taking us. I love that. I love man. OK, so I, I need I need to get a jersey. I need to get something signed. I, I, I need to know when when the when the games are being played so I can make sure to, to root on Brother Hoagland when, when he's out there <laughs> not, not, knocking fools down. <laughs> he's fun to watch. I, I love that. The thing that I remember, and, and I, I wrote, wrote it down, uh, so just digress, and, and I want to be cognizant of your time, sir, but, um, and, and, and you mentioned something. So one of the key things I'm focusing on personally as, as a personal goal for this year, is calendar year, is men's health. 
right? Men's health and, and, the, and the ability for men to have conversations about awkward situations, awkward conversations, right? To be the more, to emote more, to talk about feelings, to talk about what really matters as, as get pride out of the way. Right. And, and have uh, the conversations that really resonate, that really matter. So taking care of mind, body, spirit, soul, finance, taking care of all of those aspects of one's life. And, and your statement about being selfless, right. And, and, and wanting to have stuff, right. Wanting, wanting to have things for Jody and wanting to, you know, have whatever the, the, the latest laptop, the latest car, the latest whatever, and, and having to really reassess and adjust for needs at hand, things outside of oneself. Give me, give me some ideas, some best practices, some ideas of how I can take the, take that message out to some other folks that, that I'm engaging with as well. Right. I mean, you're, you're telling that to folks that you engage with on a regular basis, but some ideas for getting men specifically again to, to just uh, rise up and, 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 and understand that there's more important things than just uh, the, the uh, commercialism. There's more important things than just the uh, stuff. And, and, and how to really stand up and actually um, be more open with, with conversations, feelings, and, and engagement and things like that. You, you kind of understand where I'm, yeah. where I'm going with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Uh, and, you know, especially for, for young men yeah. uh, that are growing up um, in today's culture and in today's society, um, unfortunately, there, there's not a lot of guidance. Uh, and there's a lot of self-seeking uh, and self-centeredness, uh, that it's all about me. What, what do I want and mm-hmm. how do I achieve what I want? Uh, and sometimes, you know, you have to take a look around and, and see those that have been, been put in your sphere of influence. Uh, and you need, you need to be very cognizant, uh, of those opportunities that you've been given to impact and invest in the lives of others. Uh, just this morning, um, uh, a young woman at our, at our church, she was talking to my wife and, and talking about when her children were little, um, there would be days where she would be discouraged or, uh, or kind of fraught because the kids were giving her fits or whatever. And she says, Hey, you know, we're going to be, at, you know, we're going to be at church on Sunday and, and you're going to have a conversation with pastor Jody. And, uh, and it just, well, yeah, they mock them up, right. They just, you know, they didn't want to have that conversation. And I, you know, it's not, you know, I'm not putting my hands on children, uh, but I, I'm not opposed to having a very stern conversation mm-hmm, um, you mm-hmm. know, with them either to make sure that they understand the value of, of respecting their parents, uh, to understand the value of what it means to be presentable, you know, a, as an individual, as a, as a young man or a young woman um, and, and setting boundaries and, and setting proper guidelines. And I think as we have the opportunity, James, to invest in the lives of, of those who have been placed around us, first of all, we have to be aware uh, I think as men, we need to be very cognizant that I guarantee you, uh, if you look to your left or to your right, uh, there is there is a young man that you can invest in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and taking that opportunity uh, to say, let me, you know, hey, instead of, you know, hanging out in my garage, working on my car this weekend, or instead of, you know, remoting myself out into the wilderness, you know, for three days of, of self-retreat. What if I take that young man along on a fishing trip? You know, what if what if I take that young man on, on a hunting trip? Or what if I, you know, take that young man 
uh, and, and, and work in the garage, you know, with him yeah. and, and evaluate and teach some life lessons. So, you know, for me, man, it's really, you know, investing uh, in the lives of those that are around us uh, and being very generous with the gifts uh, that, that we've been blessed with. Mm. And I guarantee you, um, you can't outgive God. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll pay itself dividends. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, you never want to get, you know, too deep into, into the financial side of the house. And, um, you know, I know those are very private matters They you know, they are for me and they are for everybody, but, um, my wife and I a long time ago committed, you know, to, to giving faithfully, not just to our local church, right. But to, you know, mission organizations, mm-hmm. um, you know, we didn't even get into, you know, I've, I've been doing work in the jungles in Mexico for, you know, for 10 years. Uh, but, you know, there there's a lot that goes out, you know, financially. Uh, and I am not hurting to put bread on my table. And when you think that, you know, that that self-centeredness, when it takes over and says, well, I need to do this for myself. Um, do you really? Do you really? Wow. Uh, and look around you. Uh, and, you know, take those opportunities. Carpe diem, man. Seize the day uh, to invest in the life of somebody else. You, you just talked yourself, hopefully, into another session. With, uh, I, I, whatever, whatever I got to do to, to get you back. Because I, I want to continue that conversation. And I want to talk about the things you're doing in Mexico. Uh, so I, I apologize for bouncing back and forth. Right? We, we were talking about one thing, but I, I had that on my heart. And I really wanted to make sure that that, that, that got addressed. But... Um, I would love to have you back to to have an even deeper conversation about about that, right? About some life strategies, life goals. Again, we're, we're, we're not even we're not we're not talking about what we do on a day to day basis because because again, that's just so little that really makes up who and what we are, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's so many different facets. There's so many different drawers in the in the in the chest of what makes up each of us individually and folks only see one slice or one aspect of that. And there's so much more richness. Uh, I mean, again, I, I, I'm being selfish because I, cause I've gained so much insight just really in terms of how I'm going to proceed with some, some of my actions. Um, you've, you've cleared up some, some, some slight confusion or, or some, some, some uh, misconnotations that I had again when, when I mentioned about you know you know let's, let's take care of the folks in 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 Alabama in, in Georgia in in Virginia first oh but you know what folks over here don't have the access to all of these things on a readily basis we need to we need to take care of all of our brethren so I mean so that that's profound with me and I'm, I'm definitely going to take that uh, with with me moving forward and and, and be more be more giving, not just of time, but of resource as well. So, so that that's, that's good stuff. I'd be remiss. We're both technologists. If I didn't end with this question right here, what's that one piece of technology in your room, in your office, in your domain that, that you simply can't live without? (laughs) Uh, Well, that changes probably on a, on a, you know, every couple of month basis. Um, But right now, uh, simplify, Bishop Donald, um, I see the little pop up there. Yes. Uh, the, the current piece of technology, man, would be uh, my Wacom Cintiq Pro uh, tablet. Well, you use that uh, every single it, day, right? Yeah, I use it as a dual <laughs> display. Look, I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many people have watched me present, you know, in a Zoom session online or doing something, because if you've, if you've seen me present, 
I'm constantly, I'm, I'm drawing on slides, I'm flipping to a whiteboard, I'm you know, doing a lot of dynamic stuff. And, it, and I've had people call it, man, how do you do that on your laptop? Why you? And I'm like, yeah, there's a secret. I, I'm not doing it on my laptop. <laughs> that, uh, that Wacom device, man, uh, in today's climate uh, of Zoom, uh, you know, fatigue, that that to me is probably the the one thing that I would not want to do without uh, yeah. on a daily basis right now. Uh, it's a it's a brilliant aspect of of technology. I see there's a question of the Wacom tablet. Uh, so I don't let me see if I can actually if I can manipulate my camera uh, and show you. Look uh, at this right is. here. So you got the big one too. So that you don't have the, the the little guy. That's that's the no. Yeah, I've got the uh, the 16 inch Cintiq Pro. Uh, and I've got it set up, you know, it's a, basically acts as a dual display, uh, secondary monitor for those that are not uh, in the technology space. Just think of it as, Hey, that guy's got two monitors going. Yeah. Uh, well, that second monitor for me, um, I can stretch my display over to there and it actually has a, a stylus that device, the Wacom tablet is actually designed for graphic artists. It's, it's meant to be able to draw, uh, and write on. Uh, and so I'm using it in like less than 1% of its capabilities. <laughs> I am and not and an blowing artist. everyone away every single time yeah. you, you, you fire it yeah. up. <laughs> but that's, uh, that, that's the one thing, man, that I would not want to do without right now. No. So uh, Pastor, see, uh, see, Pastor Bishop is also, um, he does all of his services via live stream as well. So how he and I connected was uh, we're doing some, there's a couple of platforms on, on the PC side. There's one called vMix and, and I use a platform called eCam for, for multi-streaming. So, so he's, he's breaking it down, getting technical, asking about NDI versus like USB or, or anything USB of that nature. TV, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, cause so right now, so you've probably got that plugged into your laptop and using as a uh, secondary display using USB-C. Is that how you, you're, you're it's stretching? actually, it's in a, it's in a mini HDMI port. Okay. Okay. So it's it's hooked up HDMI basically. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But there's several there's several connection options on the device. But you know if you're using it, uh, simplify. That's why I keep getting the simplifies from him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a marine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This device, like if you're if you're wanting, you know, right now I I could be reaching over taking notes. I could be writing things. Or hey, I want to show you. Hey, let me draw that out for you real quick. I, some people are visual learners, right? And I've yeah. learned that that's you know, part of my storytelling is some people are audible learners. Some people are visual learners uh, that some people have to read and write, you know, mm-hmm. in order to comprehend something. But for those that are visual, you know, the, I'm trying to hit all spectrums of, of the, of the learning catalog, right. As yeah. I'm presenting yeah. uh, to, to try to impact people. And that, that's one of the useful tools. Well, you do it. And I, and I will say you do it very effectively. Um, and which is which is why again there were there was so much chatter ahead of time about the so I, I gained more LinkedIn followers just by by, by putting out the fact that I'm uh, that I'm talking to Jody and and half of them work at the same work at Dell with us uh, which, which was pretty cool. Um, I I love this and Jody I would I'd really be be honored if you would come back once again and have another conversation because again I want to have. I've been striving to have these types of conversations with folks. I've been striving to have these types of conversations again with, with men of influence. And I would rather talk about things that resonate, things that matter as opposed to just, um, 
think things of uh, less significance, right? So I, I love talking about spirituality. I love talking about taking care of, again, mind, body, spirit, soul. I, I love talking about that and especially talking about how, how men can improve and be better and be more be more present in, in, in their lives and especially in their families. Um Brother, you you are you're amazing, and I appreciate you for everything that you do. I appreciate you for your your mission. I appreciate you for your work. We thank you for your service as uh, as as a marine, uh, and, and we thank you for your ability to, as I say it again, make it plain. Um, right. Well, hey man, I I am grateful uh, for you. I'm grateful for your friendship, uh, for your abilities. You know, to to broadcast and put something like this on. Uh, and so, you know, you obviously have uh, some very, very nice talents and uh, the Lord's kindled a friendship here. And, and brother, I'm grateful for it. Thank you, sir. Be good. I'll talk right, to you soon. I'll probably talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Better do it. All right. Be good, man.